welcome to the Catholic Cafe, where Catholic truth is served fresh daily. We've made you a reservation in the luxurious corner booth, so come on in and see what's on the menu today. Now, here's your host, Deacon Jeff Drzezemski. Greetings and welcome to the Catholic Cafe. I'm Deacon Jeff, sitting in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe. And I'm just so excited because, uh, you know, we get all three of us in here. We got Ziggy Rodriguez Woo-hoo! and we got Thomas Patrick Dorian in here. Sure. You know, and there's all through like COVID and we were going back and forth and we, we don't always get all three of us together, right. but it seems like we're on a kind of a roll here. Good thing. So until COVID-20 or whatever shows up, which <laughs> I pray to God it never happens. The Omega variants. Yeah, we don't want any more variants and, you know, we don't want a Mega Man or whatever to come out and, and attack us. So uh, this, this is uh, this is really uh, awesome to be together. Uh, I just want to remark about that. But here we are now in the third week of Easter, and we've got some great readings. And so we thought that today we'd talk about that because there's some really important, um, we'll call them subtexts or messages within the gospel that's what i love about the gospel they're so rich right there's so much there that we could we can comment on lots of different parts and pieces and you may think like well the message today is this yeah but really there there might be 25 messages in there and i think the, the particularly this gospel but i do want to read uh the reading from acts acts chap, uh, chapter 5 that that starts off the, the, the first reading the uh what would normally be the old testament reading but now during the first uh, weeks of Easter, this is going to be, uh, they're all going to be reading from the Acts of the Apostles, where we get to see uh, in this this period of mystagogia, the church calls it, as we're continuing to form those who have come into the church. The neophytes are learning about the early church and how the early church started, so we read from the Acts of the Apostles is the first reading all through the Easter season. Um, and this is Acts chapter 5, when the captain and the court officers had brought the apostles in and made them stand before the Sanhedrin, The high priest questioned them, We gave you strict orders, did we not, to stop teaching in that name? Yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and want to bring this man's blood upon us. But Peter and the apostles said in reply, We must obey God rather than men. The God of our ancestors raised Jesus, though you had killed him by hanging him on a tree. God exalted him at his right hand as leader and savior to grant Israel repentance and forgiveness of sins. We are witnesses of these things, as is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. The Sanhedrin ordered the apostles to stop speaking in the name of Jesus and dismiss them. So they left the presence of the Sanhedrin, rejoicing that they had been found worthy to suffer dishonor for the sake of the name. I, I love that reading. <laughs> That's fantastic. Because because essentially it's like, y'all shut up. <laughs> Maybe like in the court of the Sanhedrin, you're not allowed to say shut up. Like my mom always said, you're not allowed to say shut up. My yeah. wife says to the kids, don't we don't say shut up. Right. I say, well, then shut the heck up. You know, no, we don't say that. <laughs> no. So it's like, uh, uh, yeah. So they're like, be quiet. Yeah. Be be quiet. And and I love that. It reminds me when, uh, you know, when Jesus was making his triumphant entrance into Jerusalem. Right. And it talks about the fact that uh, when, when everyone's like, uh, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. And they're saying, hey, uh, Jesus, you need to talk to your disciples. They're going crazy back there about you. Right. And he says, look, if I tell them to be quiet, even the stones will cry out. Love it. Right. At this point. So all his whole ministry, his public ministry, he's been saying, don't tell anybody that you talk to me. Don't tell anybody it's me. Don't say anything. Speak of no one about this. 
Well, they all blurted it out. But, <laughs> but the point is now, now that he's done what he did, right? That he the, through his passion, his death, and then his resurrection. Now the apostles are like they are fully licensed to speak in full voice in public about everything. Mm-hmm. And the Sanhedrin are like. Like the scribes are going crazy; they're they're all going crazy. You know, what I, as you read that first reading, what I, what I had in my mind was like a meme, where on the top panel you'd have the Sanhedrin, you know, quote being like, "We told you to stop, you know, speaking in the name of Jesus." And the bottom panel will be Michael Scott from the Office saying, "Like, well, now I'm just going to do it even harder." <laughs> <laughs> yes, I didn't know if they had that Office back then. Uh, yeah, it would have been called the Cave or right, whatever. Right. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, exactly. They're, they're, they're not going to. In fact, I love the, the last lines. So they left the presence of the Sanhedrin rejoicing that they'd been found worthy to suffer dishonor for the sake of the name. Hey, isn't that great? They're going to persecute us now. Isn't that awesome? They're, they really take that to heart, and that's that's beautiful. So really, that's that that's all about evangelization, and now we know why. We'll start reading in the coming weeks that like, and 3,000 were baptized that day. Right, and eight thousand came into the you know all these different things that happened because the church just grew in leaps and bounds. Well, and there's a trust there. There's a trust that the the bad of being dishonored by the Sanhedrin, the bad of being oppressed by them, potentially violence being exercised by them, you know, or the threat of that, that that badness is covered in the goodness of God's grace. To where there's nothing that the Sanhedrin can really throw at them that's going to be bigger than the goodness that God will cover it with. And the most they could do is say, okay, yeah, I'll stop it. <laughs> but I mean, Jesus <laughs> promised them, right? Jesus said in his, in his Sermon on the Mount, he said, blessed are you who are persecuted for my sake. So imagine if you're one of the apostles, you heard that at the Sermon on the Mount, and now you're getting to live it. You know, amidst the resurrected Christ being a reality that you got to see with your own eyes and experience. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know they, they know it's true. They they know the stories are true. Right. They saw them firsthand. They even say they witnessed it. We witnessed these things. You know, us and the Holy Spirit. We know it's all true, and so we have to, we are compelled to live this way now, right? And I know I know that the uh, the, the the courts were upset. <laughs> Right, they were not. They were not happy that with that. So let's uh, let's let's read the the gospel now. Um, that comes to us from the twenty first chapter of John. So this is Jesus revealing himself to his apostles. At that time, Jesus revealed himself again to his disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. He revealed himself in this way. Together were Simon Peter, Thomas called Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, Zebedee's sons, and two others of his disciples. Simon Peter said to them, "I'm going fishing." They said to him, "We also will come with you." So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. When it was already dawn, Jesus was standing on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, Children, have you caught anything to eat? They answered him, No. So he said to them, Cast the net over the right side of the boat, and you will find something. So they cast it, and were not able to pull it in because of the number of fish. So the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he tucked in his garment, for he was lightly clad, and jumped into the sea. The other disciples came in the boat, for they were not far from shore, only about a hundred yards, dragging the net with the fish. When they climbed out on the shore, they saw a charcoal fire with fish on it and bread. Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish you just caught. So Simon Peter went over and dragged the net ashore, full of 153 large fish. 
Even though there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, Come, have breakfast. And none of the disciples dared to ask him, Who are you? Because they realized it was the Lord. Jesus came over and took the bread and gave it to them, and in like manner the fish. This was now the third time Jesus was revealed to his disciples after being raised from the dead. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Simon Peter answered him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Feed my lambs. He then said to Simon Peter a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Simon Peter answered him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Tend my sheep. Jesus said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was distressed that Jesus had said to him a third time, Do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Feed my sheep. Amen, amen, I say to you, when you were younger, you used to dress yourself and go where you wanted. But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands, and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. He said this signifying by what kind of death he would glorify God. And when he had said this, he said to, he said to him, follow me. Wow. There is so much there, and I don't know what your priest or deacon is going to preach about because they can pick any of uh, uh, several significant themes that are going on in that gospel. One thing, though, that's really cool that I see in a lot of biblical annotations, and I don't have like the, per- the personally have the historical knowledge to make a statement on this one way or another, but I I've, I've see it said that that number 153, right. that's the number of nations that there were, or countries that there were at the time that were known uh, within the world. Yeah, I've seen that as well, but even even if it wasn't exact, yeah. like there were exactly 153, because I didn't know if they were like, like if the Soviet Union had split up at that point. <laughs> you know, I, 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 I'm not 100% sure how they would count the nations, but even so, if it if it is, and those commentaries are 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 fairly consistent in saying this was the number of nations in the world and and there are no insignificant numbers in the bible right if there are if there are people mentioned if there are numbers mentioned there's a significance to having 12 baskets right of consecrated bread left over you know at the feeding of the 5000 or seven baskets at the feeding of the 4000 there are there are numbers of 40 days there are significance to the numbers that are mentioned in the bible so 153 if it's the number of nations at the time essentially you know in in, in other translations you know Jesus essentially saying you will be fishers of men when he first meets them right um as fishers like come with me and you'll be fishers of men right so now you're fishers of nations and that that, that his message right is going to be going to the entire world mm-hmm. well and also the within that phrase the thing that's especially important is without tear yeah and, it's and, not and i've heard some people say correct me if i'm wrong that actually the greek is similar to without schism basically like without tear like it's an undivided church at that point is yeah that, so that may be true I, I i'm don't, not 100 i think i've heard that yeah and it but but even so the imagery is there Yes. Right. The fact that it's untorn tells you that that it's unified. Right. That this is the one way in which the entire world, all of the nations, come together as as one. Yes. Right. Because if there's a tear, then you would presume that one of there there might have been 154 fish, 155 fish, 195 fish that some squirted out through that hole as they were dragging it along or bringing it ashore. Because notice they didn't put it up in the boat. Right, right. They, 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 so some fish could have gotten out of a tear, so this shows us like, like this idea of a universal church. Right. I, I have a question for you, Deacon Jeff. So, like, we see here that it's Peter, 
right? Not coincidentally, who's grabbing this net and he's dragging this net of fish without terror onto the shore. And so one could read that and say, gee, Peter and all of Peter's successors, i.e. all popes, have a pretty big job of unity and promoting unity and keeping the church together. And I guess the question I have for you is, is that does that job just fall on Peter or and his successors, or does it also fall on each of us, not just each clergy member, but also each layperson? Are all of us do do all of us have kind of a share in uh, a, a duty, so to speak? To so I out? I think I think this, especially if you look at the the longer form of the gospel, includes Peter talking to Jesus. Yeah, and do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me, Lord? Why do you keep asking me this, right? <laughs> uh, right. And, and and it's it's so so that especially um, Jesus's answer every time Peter says yes, it's like, well, feed my lambs, tend my sheep, right? And, and then he and then he says, feed my sheep, right? He says those things, and so there is definitely something going on with Peter with the net filled with the the number of nations with the, all those fish, right? Dragging it ashore from his fishing boat, and then also where Peter is saying, "Feed my sheep, feed my lambs, tend my sheep." Mm-hmm. Right? In that way, there is a visible head. There is there is an authority that's being set up there, but that in no way says that we don't all play a part. I mean, right. everybody has their part to play in this because mm-hmm. it can't be specifically. I mean, when's the, Sam? When is the last time the Pope showed up at your house? <laughs> Like, and knocked on the door and said, "Hey, what am I supposed to do it's, here?" It's been a couple of weeks. Yeah, yeah I'm sure. That's been, that guy's not the Pope, by the way. See, I'm just—you you are so gullible. He uh, had a hat on. He had a white pointy hat. That was Tom. Yeah. Tom went out and bought a miter, you know, to cover his hair, and uh, and no. So the thing is, the the we don't have access in that same way to the Pope. We we all have to as as I like to say till our own garden. We we have a garden that's been entrusted to us to care for. That we have to do the weeding in our garden. We have to nourish. We have to we have to plant. We have to care for it, and then we have to cultivate. We have to do all this stuff that that we're given these gifts to do, and so all of that we we all part, play a part in this tending, you know, of the nations of this nation, of this work of of the universal church and of Christian unity. A hundred percent. Yeah. And so uh, St. Paul says it very well when he talks about uh, when, 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 you know, one part of the body, right, suffers, we all suffer, mm-hmm. right? That we're all parts of one body. And so it's important that each part plays its part and we have a significant role. Do you think it's crazy to say that there's a little bit of disunity here uh, these days? In- I read that somewhere. <laughs> I did. Uh, I, I read that, and uh, I think it was the National Enquirer where I read that. But uh, <laughs> uh, disunity in the church, yes. Scandal. Truth inside, be told, yes. I, I don't think anybody thinks that there's really any unity left in the world. Right. Right. I think that people would probably say if this gospel were written now, the net would be torn. I mean, <laughs> right. literally. I mean, it's sad, but it's like that's what people might think. Right. But the reality is, we need to see this untorn net and realize that there is. There is unity, and there needs to continue to be unity. And and the the greatest threat to the unity is disunity, right? It's so the the the, the contrarian voices within the world, but within the nations, but even more specifically within the church, are damaging to the whole. 
Well, what are what would you are you are there some things that we can do just as everyday Catholics to help promote unity in our everyday life? So I I, I would answer it this way um, because I think everybody has a different uh, role to play and a different. Uh, set of circumstances. It's the body of Christ. It's the body of we're Christ, and we're all parts of the one whole, the one body. But the reality is, all of us can play a part in choosing our language better, mm-hmm. right? Uh, building up unity rather than tearing it down. Being less divisive. Being less political. And I'm not saying not being inactive in politics because we're actually called to be active in political life. Uh, but we're supposed to bring. Um, the message of uh, of joy, of redemption, of mercy, of love, of understanding. We're supposed to bring that with us to the political arena. Well, there's a, there's a lot of us versus them thinking uh, on both sides, so to speak, right now. Like, it, so it's not like one particular side has a uh, has a lock on divisiveness. Well, uh, our, our, our side is best. <laughs> <laughs> whatever, whatever side that is. No, no, I no. You're exactly right, and that and that's our that's the difficulty. And so, um, you can you can take pretty much any issue, you know, uh, same sex quote unquote marriage, mm-hmm. right? How do we deal with that? So when, when we're, we're 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 standing in front of a person that believes that there should be blessings of same sex unions, or or someone who believes that uh, how a person lives their life is their own private business, etc. So do we? Do we do we welcome them? Do we do we greet them with Christian joy? Do we embrace them? Do we do we have a conversation with them? How do we share with them the gospel truth in a way that's not going to be divisive? In other words, be destructive. Do we judge? Do we not judge? We shouldn't judge certainly, but, but you see, but we have to make judgments, right? Right. And what happens when it's in our family? What happens when it's outside our family? What's happening? You know, and so we have to be careful with how we phrase things. Yet at the same time, to not water down the truth. All of that requires a, a sense of uh, of finesse in in how we speak. But it requires us. Um, sometimes it's as simple, I think, as counting to three before you say a word about anything. Mm. That's an age old thing. Like before you say something, count to three in your head. Because that gives you a time to diffuse and to say, like, I wonder how this will be perceived. Or invoke the Holy Spirit. Man, you should all, we've talked about that, Tom, yeah. before a couple times, haven't we, where we're talking about how you engage someone in conversation. Just, Lord, speak to me, mm-hmm. right? Holy Spirit, use me. Right. Uh, uh, let me be a conduit. I need you now. Because, and I, I've never, it's never failed me that the Holy Spirit shows up right. when, I, when I start in prayer, right. when I'm having a difficult conversation. Yeah. Right? And so... Uh, and in that, in that idea of the same-sex blessings and things like that, that's not the only issue in the church. Right. There's thousands upon thousands of opportunities, even whether it's Republican or Democrat, right? How, how many times in a church body have we seen people make these sort of remarks and then kind of turn and walk away, like drop the mic or, or you know, less appetizingly drop a grenade in the room and then, and then leave, you know? And then you feel like, you need to say something, and, and it's back and forth, and that's divisive, I and mean, that tears the net essentially. Well, and, and it, it, you know, there are a lot of issues, like you just pointed to, you know, to at least one of them, um, that are highly hot button issues, but they're also emotional issues that are very personal. You know, that a lot yes. of times, whatever you say, you, you know, if you're talking about the church teaching, it's going to likely be received as. Well, then you're judging me personally in this way, and it's, yeah. that puts us in a tough position. In so far as that's not what we're maybe trying to do, you right. know what I mean. But at the end of the day, 
we do have to sometimes ask ourselves, okay, in a moment, we're in a difficult pers- situation, and we may be talking to somebody who, first of all, has some very serious wounds, and who doesn't see the Catholic Church as having a God that loves them. Yeah. You know, and whatever we do in that moment, well, I think well, first we have to give it to God, right? We have to pray, we have to give it to God, and let God... You know, invite and ask God to manifest Himself in us to them. You know, He we must decrease so that He may increase, right? Yeah. And then, secondly, um, you know, really focus on making sure that whatever it is we say, that we are, you know, a like you said, we're not we're not watering down the truth, but we are, you know, truth and charity are one and the same. We are also doing, making, being intentional about building them up in the fact that they are loved. Yeah, yeah. So I, I would say the same thing. I would say it always starts with love first and foremost. Yeah. Right? First and foremost is love. Um, and what that leads to ultimately is trust. Yeah. Right? So before you're even talking about the quote-unquote issue, right, of the issue of disagreement, before you even get there, it's love as God loves. Yeah. Right? And then it's trust. You can't talk to somebody that, that disagrees with you they will not receive anything that you say, nor will you receive anything that they say unless there's a mutual trust. Like, in other words, I'm not trying to convert you. This yeah. is how I honestly feel, but this is how I've, I've prayed and what the Holy Spirit has revealed to me to be true. And so I want to share that. And I, and I love how you mentioned truth uh, and charity. And I love to say it like truth in charity. Yeah. Right, so th- that truth outside of charity is not truth, right? Yeah. And so, so once you've gained someone's trust, you can have a conversation because they don't feel like you're judging them. Because you're right, when you disagree with somebody, especially about those very personal, um, emotional issues, where they're, and they're, and they might be personally touched in that they have family members or they themselves are struggling, right, with with these uh, different kinds of feelings. And and honestly, unless they trust you, they won't listen to you. Well, I'm reminded here of the, what's the Curcio uh, motto: "Make a friend, be a friend, bring a friend to Christ." Right? And so, you know, are we taking those steps where we're really receiving that person in their personhood and building that trust and building that relationship? You know what? If they're asking questions like this, be like, you know what? Maybe first. Let's just focus on building a friendship yeah. so that you understand that this is a trusted space where you're loved unconditionally. And yeah, I already know this about you, uh, but it's important to me that you know that I love you where you are. Right. You know, and and I love you. And I, yes, I would like to talk about what the church teaches and stuff like that, but I, I want to make sure that it's not done in a way that gets in the way of you receiving yourselves as loved by God, as loved by me. Uh, and, and, and to receive the Catholic Church as something that desires to welcome you deeply into its Eucharistic Well, heart. I'm glad you mentioned, that you just used the phrase Catholic Church there, because it's also important. Uh, and the reason why I think these readings are so important is like, look at the Acts of the Apostles. We are required. right? We, we should be sharing the gospel. Mm-hmm. We, we should not be shutting up. Yeah. And then secondly, in, in the gospel itself, um, there, it's not insignificant that it was Peter's boat, Peter's net, uh, Peter's job to do this, and that Jesus is addressing Peter and is saying, "Feed my lambs, tend my sheep." You know, it is not um, it is not insignificant, and in that we need to be united as a church. So you are not your own pope, 
right? So this is important for people to understand. So if 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 you have opinions about things, um, to make f- sure before you share that opinion that that opinion is in line with the universal church. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, that's a vital part of this because so many people said, like, "Well, they'll start with, well, you know, well, I think the way I see it." It's like okay, that's. I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying, um, I, I want to wait to see what you see say because if the way I see it is in line with what the church teaches. In other words, if I can read that in the catechism, then I'm okay with it. Right. But if not, we, we should always be sharing the gospel in a, in a unified way. And also lead with beauty, right? In the beauty, they'll see goodness, and in the goodness, they'll see truth, right? And so, you know, Jesus told us to speak in parables. I think right now, I think we need a renaissance within the church where Christian artists are taking some of these problems and questions within the church, and as opposed to making it something where we all have to talk everything out, you know, like let let God work through artists to help you know, capture the heart and relate the truth and the goodness of the faith through beauty. That's not happening right now. Yeah. In fact, uh, a lot of things aren't happening right now. And so we end up getting to the point where we basically argue a lot. That's it. And right? on social media. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and again, we're tearing the net, you know, and, and I, I think that like if we were going to subtitle this show, it's divided, we fall. Right. I just there's a part of me that thinks that we need to be unified uh, in certainly in the in the teachings of the church, but more importantly, unified uh, in in the Holy Spirit of the church. Yes. Right. And allow the 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 the, 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 the truth and charity are working through us and that, that it's not that we are not the source of that truth or the source of that charity, that all of that is God breathed. And that includes for like parish council you know, avoiding politics and approaching that with surrender and prayer as well. That can become a source of disunity. People coming together to serve the church, but they all want to do it their own way. We're going to end up hitting each other over the head yeah, we and need not serving God. No more mic drops, no more <laughs> tossing grenades into the room, and no more winning arguments. Yeah. You don't need to win the argument. Right. Jesus already won the argument. Yes. Right? Ultimately, we just need to realize that. We need to connect ourselves to that truth uh, and then and to live in that way. And I think that we will attract a lot more folks to the faith in that way and will essentially essentially defend the truth in a much more beautiful and beneficial way for all and let's ask the blessed mother to to oversee this process with us hail mary full of grace the lord is with thee blessed art thou among women and blessed is the fruit of thy womb jesus holy Holy mary mother Mother of god God, pray pray for for us sinners sinners, now now at the the hour of our death death. Amen. amen Thanks for listening to The Catholic Cafe. If you'd like to contact Deacon Jeff, send him an email at deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. Visit us on the web at thecatholiccafe.com. You can also find us on iTunes or follow us on Facebook and Twitter. The Catholic Cafe is brought to you by the Order of Malta Federal Association. Join us again at The Catholic Cafe, serving up salvation one cup of coffee at a time.